Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Next up on News for the Soul, it's time for Soul Talk with Summer. Let's bring her on to reintroduce herself, her show, and what's up for today. Summer, welcome back. Ah, thanks, Nicole. Um, I'm going to talk about eyesight and insight, um, how our actual eyesight um, and my experience with uh, reducing my prescription and improving my eyesight had a lot to do with my soul. Uh, we call the eyes as the windows to the soul, but we rarely um, have any idea why we actually call it that. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, if people have questions, they have their prescriptions, please feel free. Um, I'll talk a little bit for about 20 minutes, and then uh, we can see if anyone has any specific questions about that. Um, t- today we're talking about the eyes, and I, uh, I own the first Natural Vision Improvement Center in Canada here in Edmonton a few years back, and myself and Dr. Gunnar Hansen um, worked on degenerative eye disease. And it was really interesting for me because we had people come in. It was a, it's a big health building. And they would come into the, the center on their way to other um, offices and stumble in and go, oh, natural health care for the eyes. You know, as if, as if our eyes are these ball bearings just rattling around in our head. So what I like to teach people is how – their eyesight is actually, or their vision is related both to their eyesight, but also their insight. Um, Our pineal gland is actually our third eye, and it has light receptors just like our two frontal eyes. And when we're under stress, our light reflex, so the ability to take in light, which uh, optometrists measure with a retinoscope, actually diminishes. And... uh, Behavioral optometrists like Jacob Lieberman and Samuel Byrne and Roberto Kaplan noticed that um, under stress, emotional stress, or other types of things like that, um, our vision blurs. So Jacob Lieberman, for example, noticed that uh, parents, people remember when they got their first pair of glasses, and it's usually after something very stressful happens. For kids, it's typically when school starts, someone dies, there's a divorce or conflict in the home. And then shortly afterwards, you know, the parents and teachers take you to your eye doctor and the doctor says, what's wrong? And you say, I can't see the blackboard or, you know, something like that. But what you really mean is something's happened that's painful. I don't know how to talk about it. Too scary to look at. So I'm blurring it out. So I'm going to invite the listeners today to think about when they got their first pair of glasses. I, uh, I call it your original vision injury. And uh, my daughter, for example, had blurry vision twice as a kid. And when she was able to express her feelings and needs, her vision returned to normal um, the first time she was six in a few days because it, it was a really – big fight, actually, my father and his wife were having, and it, was, it didn't feel good to be in that environment. But her vision came back really quite quickly. 
Uh, and the second time was when she was in junior high, and you know what that's like. And she had all of her exams. And afterwards, she was like, oh, everything's blurry. But summer came around. She was able to relax again and had 20-20 vision again. So imagine if optometrists were to ask people, hmm, has anything stressful happened today? Anything you don't want to look at or that's painful for you to see? It would be a different world, and I believe that we would have less prescriptions and we could improve our eyesight more quickly. So there is vision improvement, and it's really more physically focused. Mine is more internally focused about what our true needs are and how we live an authentic life. So what I notice is that as people start to address, you know, what their authentic life would look like and take steps to living it, they're able to reduce their prescriptions and see improvements in their eyesight. And that's what I love to do. Most people don't know, and I'm going to focus on myopia because that is actually considered an epidemic by the ophthalmology community. So um, there is an ophthalmological, um, what do you call that, magazine, And this comes out of it, the Journal of Ophthalmology in May 2015, I believe it's from. They say that myopia has doubled in the last 30 years. And by the year 2050, close to 5,000 million people will be myopic. It's actually considered an epidemic. So they anticipate that half the world's population will need glasses by then. So that's a very interesting statistic, and it's funny how there's not much panic around this epidemic as there was around another one, even though the numbers of people are steadily increasing, and it tends to get worse every time you go back to the optometrist. Um, And in the Western world, over 80% of people are myopic, and the higher your education, the more myopic you become. And in some Asian countries, it's over 90%. So what I want to look at today is the consideration of what this epidemic actually means. And I believe it means that there's an obsession to see clearly outside of ourselves without looking inward. It's painful sometimes to look inward (laughs) rather than outward and blame other people for what we see. But the truth is, and I can't show a picture over Soul Talk Radio, but if you were to imagine you sort of taking the top of your um, brain and kind of opening it up, you would notice that your pineal glands, the two eyes, and the optic nerves crisscross right in front of your pineal gland. So your eyes are quite literally the extensions of your brain to the outside world via the optic nerve. So the nervous system is very much related to how we see. So we talk about nervous system regulation in relationships and all of these different types of things, nervous breakdowns. It really is about how we take in information. And Dr. Samuel Byrne, he talks about how he believes that 80% of our stressors are taken in through our eyes. So how is it that we can more connect to that? 
So as the eyes come in, they crisscross right in front of the pineal gland, which is actually our third eye. And ancient Egyptians knew this. They did know that meditation, the response of the DMT and intuition, and being connected to source had to do with it. In my master's degree, I did a master's degree in mind-body medicine. That's where my, my book comes from. Part of my work was improving my eyesight as I really connected internally with my sense of spirituality. And we had to read the Bible. And I came across an ancient Egyptian Hebrew word. A Hebrew word is just a beautiful language because it's visual. It's like Chinese. The characters mean more of a story than just being a character. So there is a word in the Bible spelled A-Y-I-N in English, and it looks like a Y, it's character. And it means both the eye to see, to know wisdom and the light of God. In other words, the eyes are windows to the soul. Very similar meaning. So as this symbol, the Y, if you can imagine coming from the two frontal eyes, the tops of the Y, and then the bottom of the Y, if you overlay that over the brain, it's a symbol of knowing God when our two frontal eyes are integrated with our knowing and the third eye. So it's a light channel that we take in in our own unique way. And this is something that Roberto Kaplan, Dr. Roberto Kaplan, he wrote the book, Conscious Seeing. This is what he says. The wearing of glasses or contacts provide an artificial state of clearness in visual acuity. At the same time, my research indicates that a vital state of inner integration is lacking. Thinking and understanding dominate. And once that happens, feeling and knowing is missing. So for any of you out there that are empaths, intuitives, or healers, it's interesting to note that glasses can actually impede your ability to know, to feel, to intuit what it is that you need. So there is um, abilities to get uh, reduced prescriptions or step-down lenses, not all optometrists uh, like doing that. They're trained to give crisp, clear vision uh, with uh, mechanical lenses. They don't know that you can actually breathe and relax to achieve accommodations, which means that the ciliary muscles at the front of the eyes will actually help the light rays and the lens adjust to focus light on the macula. During eye exams, because there's such a thing as fogging, which means that they will actually paralyze the ciliary muscles of the eye to get a reading of your axial length. So optometrists aren't interested in knowing how flexible the muscles are or how the eyes work. They they want to provide crisp, clear vision because everyone asks them for it. So they do their job very well, and they're a very very useful tool. But we keep going back to get glasses as we tend to take on more stressors without being able to identify how this has affected us on a deep emotional and spiritual level. 
So what I've noticed for myself, and I used to be a minus five, which is a moderately high prescription, um, and I was deemed legal to drive without glasses in 2006, is that prescriptions, whether they're glasses or pharmaceuticals, are very much the same. Uh, They both have side effects. Glasses and pharmaceuticals are multi-billion dollar industries. They're both regulated by the FDA. Pharmaceutical drugs and glasses can be super helpful. I'm not denying that at all. They are helpful. But they do tend to be overprescribed. They mask symptoms, pain, or blur, but don't address some of the underlying causes. And they promote dependency. Once people have glasses, they tend to wear them all the time. And most people who are myopic, and you can try it if you're wearing your glasses right now and listening to this, um, if you need um, a, a low to moderate uh, pair of glasses for driving, you can take them off and read and it'll be very clear and it will lower what's called near point stress for you. There are optometrists out there that will say glasses themselves is the cause of pathological or high myopia as it gets worse and worse. So um, there is ways to uh, reduce your prescriptions. People often focus on their eyesight, but what I've noticed is that once people turn inward and learn more about what I might call your soul language, which um, Jean Ackerberg, who wrote the book Shamanism in Modern Medicine, calls our a priori language. So before we're born, we understand the first language. Uh, And that's what she describes as pre-verbal in that it evolved earlier than language and uses different neural pathways for the transmission of information. It's a language that always existed that we possess when we're born and speaks to the deep interconnection of mankind. So the neural pathways be that our optic nerves, which are, I believe, the second largest nerve in the human body, our neural pathways for information. It's an energetic sense of information before we have verbal language to judge what it means. So I go into looking at improving eyesight in a way that Albert Einstein focuses on. And he has a quote He says that energy cannot be created or destroyed, only transformed from one form to another. So when we're under stress, when we get our first pair of glasses, often people are focused on the symptom, which is the glasses and the stress, and they're busy trying to fix it, to create it or destroy it without really understanding the nervous system of the person who is undergoing the degree of blur that they're seeing. And this is true with eyesight, but so many other things when it comes to dis-ease. And that is that we attempt to circumvent universal law. If Einstein knows that energy can't be created or destroyed, only transformed, and it's always doing it, it's always so interesting to me how many of us try so hard to create or destroy or control different types of energy, like uncomfortable emotions physical pain, and we often do it 
through things like affirmations, positive thinking. Sometimes we take drugs, we go to workshops to try and fix ourselves. But we're really not broken. Our bodies, our eyesight, our energetic relay systems. And I do believe that it's in perfect working order for all of us. The energy of life is directed through the body, through emotions, and we are connected to source at all times. So I've seen a lot of things in in my practice recently, and that is that um, a lot of life crisis is happening now. Uh, There's a lot of financial, emotional stressors um, in the last three years. Divorce, illness, death, work politics, relationship conflicts are really, really high. Uh, It's what you might call an apocalypse. And in the Bible, it's mayhem and all of these things. But what it really means, it comes from the Greek and it means the revealing of truth or disclosure of something hidden during a time of falsehood. And sometimes some of us live lives that aren't truly authentic to who we are. We, we live with a false sense of people-pleasing or in a job that we hate for all sorts of reasons that are fear-based. And I believe in this time on the planet that we're being invited to live a more authentic soul-driven path. And I do believe that we need to start looking at our education systems, our uh, healthcare systems. And most people don't think of optometry, which is an amazing service. But to start integrating that with psychology or other things, with nervous system awareness. There is a gentleman... um, Dr. John Yee, who's an optician and a psychologist out of Toronto, and he's created something called Ortho-C Contacts, which are quite amazing. Um, They're very different from the ones that correct your vision. They induce relaxation. So he has a more holistic perspective as well of all the behavioral optometrists that I've mentioned. So for me, it's really about trust in what I believe we have, which is an energetic relay system. Our body is this conduit. Our eyes take in 80% of the stressors, according to Samuel Burton. So how is it that we can become more aware of what our soul is saying to us? As we direct more of our vision to our insight rather than our eyesight and what's going on out there, what I've observed is over time, people can reduce the prescriptions and improve their eyesight more than if they would just try and do eye exercises, um, which is very physical and often forced. So um, with that in mind, I'm curious. uh, I know there will be lots of callers typically who have (laughs) eyeglasses because it's an epidemic, so probably 50 to 80% of people will have them. If there's any uh, comments or questions, if people have their prescriptions and want to know more about how it, they can improve their intuition as well as their eyesight, that's what I'm talking about today.
Um, well, we don't have uh, questions or calls right now. It's very intriguing, though. Um, it's funny because I, I was given glasses, I think, when I was like 11 or 12 or something. And um, mm-hmm. I, I just intuitively knew it was bull crap and stopped wearing them for a long time. <laughs> you know, just like 15 years later, I kind of went, well, maybe I'll wear them once in a while. And uh, just it was more of a, I don't know, it's just energetic thing. And I just kind of intuitively knew not to get sucked in, you know, to wearing them all the time because then you become dependent on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's Interesting. Different, uh, different, different people, um, but I do believe the way we prescribe glasses could be updated. It is... Um, based on a theory of um, a German fellow, um, von Hemholtz, back in the 1700s, that the eye is like a camera. And it, it's true to the extent that you prescribe glasses on a physical level, I guess, um, but they really don't take into account the ciliary muscles, the nervous system, and the extraocular muscles as a unit. It's just about measuring the axial length, which means the length of the eyeball, and having lenses that prescribe the light that will focus on the macula, so they don't they don't look at the systemic system of the person and the emotions and the nervous system and the optic nerve and all of those things. And so, I think that's where they need to look to um, really get a handle on the epidemic that they call myopia. Um, yeah, to look outside of their own. Um, specialty area, so to speak, the more holistic, open-minded um, uh, viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, do you still have glasses now? Sorry, I didn't. You cut out there. What was that? Do you have glasses right now? Um, I just have reading glasses. I I don't mm-hmm. bother with glasses. I just. And I find it's it's different, like it's energies, you know, if your energy's low, if you're tired, um, that'll affect your eyesight. Or if you're, um, you know, if you have a headache, obviously, um, it's an energetic thing. So I'll just have them when I'm feeling kind of lazy <laughs> or tired, <Yeah. laughs> you know, yeah, because it, it, it literally, it, much- it can be affected by so many things, but not only that, but you're kind of awakening awakening us to um, the energetic factors as well, right? There's so many, you know, I find uh, your level of awakeness, your energetic level in a literal physical form. For me, my, I get blurred vision if I have too much sugar or something. So, you know, it's literal, um, but the energetic factors on top of it, it's so much more going on than what we thought. Oh, you're really aware. Yeah, no, sugar, um, pasta, pop, it really drops um, the eye function and affects the ciliary muscles mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's, in that case, if any of the listeners are um, listening, it's really important not to go get an eye exam when you're stressed, when you've eaten crappy, <laughs> when you're sick because you will end up with a higher prescription than if you went when you're feeling really well. So you want to avoid getting eye exams um, during those times for sure. 
Um, what else would I want to say today? Um, if people want to uh, really embark, uh, there's some information about the nervous system um, courses.mindbodymedicinetherapy.com. I do have vision improvement courses in there. Um, you can reach out and send me an email about this type of information if that's something that you are interested in, um, how to talk to your optometrist um, and start improving uh, your vision. They have different types of um, measurements. They have an objective measurement and, of course, um, they, they're, they're taught, they're educated in a very specific way. And as, as we learn and as we grow, we realize, oh, it's not, you know, our eyes aren't these, these ball bearings. They aren't these mechanical things that are separate from the rest of us. And so if there's any optometrist listening, it's just an invitation to um, notice and look at, you know, the emotions. Um, and when people come in to ask the questions as to what kind of stressors they've been in prior to needing to come in because their vision's blurry. Um, maybe I'll share a couple of stories. I had um, a 12-year-old. She actually used to wear um, her a hair over one side of her face, and so she was shy, and she was having vision issues. She actually went to three different – her mom took her to three different optometrists because the first one – and this is true more of children than adults, but still applicable to adults. The first optometrist uh, measured her need for glasses at a plus six, which means she was farsighted. And her mother was quite alarmed as to how strong that was. So she went for a second opinion, which most people don't do with their glasses, um, and got a plus four. Well, that's a big drop. I think I'll go and just check what the third optometrist will do. The third optometrist on that day told her that her daughter didn't need glasses at all. So children are greatly affected by the person who's doing the observing, by the energy of the person that's examining them. And they themselves might be feeling different that day. But um, for any of you that know the double split ex experiment um, and Newtonian science versus quantum science is that the observer will always affect the outcome of any experiment or observation. So if your optometrist is not friendly or quick, one or two, one or two, tell me which one looks better. It's stressful for children, never mind adults. And it can actually lower their acuity in that moment because kids stop breathing, their hearts start pounding, and that, that, those are not the optimum uh, testing that comes in to have good vision. Um, there's actually a number of reasons also why optometrists tend to overprescribe, and that is because they examine eyes in a dark room, and eyes are light receptors. They see well in light. You see way better outside. So I guess they're testing under the worst-case scenarios, but how often do we, like, try to navigate in a dark room? Um, they test one eye or the other, which is monovision, and we see better with both eyes open. So there's, there's a number of reasons why 
they tend to over-prescribe. And maybe that's, you know, they're providing crisp, clear vision. And that's what most people want. And so when you go to the optometrist, you can ask for 2025 or something less. Um, many of them are quite hesitant um, because of the way they've been trained. Um, but I encourage you uh, to look up. Um, one of my favorite books is Relearning to See. Um, I'm forgetting the author at the top of my head right now. Um, Jacob Lieberman has Take Your Glasses Off and See. Roberto Kaplan has Conscious Seeing. Um, they're a little more holistic, and they were actual optometrists. Uh, turned behavioral optometrists or more holistic in the way that they look at things. Um, there are eye exercises, but for me, I seriously consider more of the psycho-spiritual, the mind-body medicine aspect of what we're not willing to look at or see. And it's within ourselves as reflected in the outside world. And some of the crazy stuff that a lot of us don't want to feel or see because we're not taught how to allow energy to move because it's a universal law that it does. And so I believe we're, we're, we're trapped in what I call the fight force or fix paradigm. So glasses fix your eyesight. Uh, you know, we, we want to fix our marriage. We want to do all of these things when the answer is really about perspective and looking at things differently. And so I think of, and I hesitate sometimes on my words because, you know, I I don't want to bash things that are going on because glasses are useful, but I think often they numb us. Just like uh, pharmaceutical drugs, sometimes if we don't want to feel pain, we can take them, Um, but they will numb what we're able to see, what we're able to perceive past our limited daily functioning mode. So glasses help us function in the immediate world tool that encourages us to slow down and stop. It's a tool that ratches up our nervous system. And like Roberto Kaplan said, interrupts eye teaming. When both sides of our brain are not integrated, we feel anxious We are not centered in our being and our knowing. And I I think it's time that we really start looking at everything from a holistic perspective. Some healing modalities and things are going that way. Optometry is is fairly far behind, and it's because glasses really are a quick fix. But hopefully my message today will have people considering, you know, you go to an optometrist and if it's true for you that you've just been getting increased increased prescriptions um, there is a way to reverse them and to be more mindful so that we can actually walk out of calling these things an epidemic and use glasses as a tool to rely on or be dependent on so that's that's my message for today Um, one other story if there's still no questions um if you know you have astigmatism, um, it's the middle columns on your prescription. I'll tell you a story about my friend Brian. Astigmatism is one of those things that fluctuates the most. 
so when I write a letter or I suggest or, um, to an optometrist that they reduce a prescription, I ask if they can reduce what's called the cylindrical um, component of the prescription, which is about astigmatism, which is the cylinder and the access columns. It's right in the middle of your prescription. So most people with myopia, which means you need glasses to drive, have astigmatism. What it really means is, is on a spiritual level, means warping your truth for others. You have your muscles on one side of the eye pulling, so it creates this, instead of this beautiful sphere of your cornea, it becomes warped. It's a bit bumpy. And so you get doubling and halo and weird sensations. Straight objects will look like they're curved. And my friend Brian one day said, I'm having trouble with my eyes. And he was sort of seeing double. So sometimes you'll see halos of things. And I thought, okay, is this eye teaming or is this astigmatism? So I did a little test and I, I knew he must have a problem with astigmatism. But really cool thing, like you, Nicole, he noticed, oh, in different environments, I see different. So when he was outside in his joy, teaching soccer and running on the field with his boys, because he was a coach, he seemed to see, see just fine. So he was armed with a little bit of knowledge and to observe his eyes over time. And the next time I saw him, he came over because he was a plumber. He was helping me. And I said, so how are your eyes? And he was like, oh, uh, Mo, I, I haven't noticed any problems with them. They seem fine. I'm like, oh, Okay. Uh, I said, do you remember what I told you about what astigmatism is on a, an emotional sort of spiritual level? And he said, no. So I told him, I said, you know, it's warping your truth for others, trying to fit in, do stuff that doesn't really fit with your own moral compass. And he was like, oh. Because he was working for a construction company. And, of course, a lot of companies want to get the most out of their workers. So they kind of, in the culture, discourage actual restful lunches and have them stay over time. And he just eventually one day said, screw this. I am an integral good worker. I'm going to take my lunch break, as they told me I could, and I'm going to leave at 5 o'clock because that's when I'm supposed to leave. And he did. And he hasn't noticed the astigmatism since. So that fell out of his prescription. Um, it happened for me also, uh, when my, when I was pregnant, got married, moved and my grandmother died and I was still writing my master's degree, my astigmatism in one of my eyes tripled for about a year. I knew enough not to get glasses to hold that in my nervous system. So glasses, what they do is they lock our state of nervous system stress into our nervous system through our vision. So in a year, I no longer had astigmatism. It just, it fell out. But as we wear glasses to correct it, it actually holds that state of stress in our nervous system. Um, I had a lady bring in 10 years of prescriptions and her astigmatism went up and down in both eyes and all over the place. So it does tend to fluctuate a lot. And optometrists don't tend to look at the history of people's prescriptions and what's going on for them at the time. 
it's a very worthwhile exercise for someone to do, to really look at what was going on for them. What's the pattern? Because it's also true that with multiple personality disorder, each personality has a different prescription. One could be farsighted, one could be nearsighted. So um, depending on your shifts internally is how you respond to your world can change your prescription. And that is true based on multiple personality disorder. So there are many, um, yeah, pretty interesting, right? Yeah. Well, the the topic in general is really interesting. And what's intriguing me is I, you know, I hadn't realized that people had sort of bought in. Like I I didn't realize other people didn't necessarily know about what you're talking about today, but I've never really talked about it over my life. You know, I just kind of thought these glasses are stupid. I don't need them. You know, it was just all my internal dialogue and I made it go away and (laughs) didn't, you know, uh, need them anymore just because I decided that, yeah, no, I can see fine and I could. So it's, um, yeah, it's intriguing. We have these questions are starting to come in here, though. Um, we've got Tracy in New York. She's asking, what exactly is the process to get out of a lifetime of glasses wear for nearsightedness? Um, well, if it's a lifetime and depending how you are, 30, 40, 50 years, it's, it's not the quick fix of glasses. Um, I have uh, what's called the Inner Light Outer Sight Natural Vision Improvement Program for empaths and intuitives. It starts with um, really reviewing your history, um, looking at, okay, if I want to live an authentic life, what is it that I might need to change? It, does be, it actually requires that we enter our um, discomfort. We get out of our comfort zone. Uh, which also means then uh, along with that becomes being comfortable in a slightly, slightly reduced prescription where, you know, in the very far distance, it's going to be a little blurry. You start using your glasses for what you need them for with mindful awareness. Most people, the optometrists just wear them, wear them all the time. That is actually not a smart idea. Actually look at what things are clear and what you can see with your natural eyes. Um, your eyes are not going to get worse not wearing your glasses unless you're straining and you're trying to see more than you actually can. Vision improvement is about nervous system relaxation, breath, and awareness. So as you look at your life, you know, uh, Nicole brought it up, her diet affects her, her stressors, um, you, you can start to live a more authentic life and notice when your vision is better or not. So, for example, Carrie, um, she had a minus 1.75, and I don't know if the caller knows how strong her glasses are. The length of time depends on – it's just like someone who's two or 300 pounds overweight takes longer to lose weight than someone who's like five or 10 pounds that they'd like to lose. So a higher prescription, of course, has a few more layers to work through. Um, anyway, Carrie had a minus 1.75. She did one session with me and she really connected to, oh, my emotions play a big factor in how I see. So she went to the optometrist. I I wrote her a letter about what 
we wanted. And he actually then said, oh, I think her glasses are too strong and prescribed something like a 0.75. So she wore that for about a year and a half. And she started to notice that her vision was blurriest with her family. (laughs) So family gatherings, you know, sometimes we go to Christmas. We don't really want to be there. We're just obligated to be there. Um, And she learned to communicate her feelings and needs. So a lot of my vision clients, especially with amblyopia, which means one eye is is lazy. They call it lazy. I hate that term. Um, But as people become more integrated, start to be educated in feelings and needs, which is part of nonviolent communication. Marshall Rosenberg was brilliant. People become more comfortable in their own skins, in their own bodies. They start to speak their truth. They start to become more intuitive. They start feeling inside themselves and feeling safer to be there. So it's a process of mindfulness. I have my Soul Truth Discovery Academy, which supports people in vision improvement and really looking at the energetics, getting out of the fight, fix, or force paradigm. We're not really looking at our eyes anymore. We're looking from the perspective of the soul. So um, that's the process. Um, if you want a little more information, uh, I'm providing a free 35-minute call if you want to hop on a call with me. Um, you can look up on Facebook if you're on there, Summer Bozahora, my just general page, or you can send me an email, summer at summerbozahora.com, and uh, I can answer more of your questions. Does that answer the questions for the caller? Well, we've got another question out there just starting to come in. Of course, now we're barreling towards the end. But, um, you know, I just wanted to say, Mm -hmm. too, I I noticed that my uh, personally always has been my um, eyesight is the level of uh, clarity I have uh, Mm -hmm. coincides directly with my state of mind, how present I am. And how grounded and in yes. my body I am. So, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, this whole topic is very interesting. Kyle in New York wants to know how um, <clears throat> this reflects on, is it only eyesight issues as far as vision or do physical eye problems also um, apply in this conversation? Because you mentioned um, stigmatism, so I guess is acuity also but there's there's glaucoma cataracts uh Mm. we're talking about mind body and so everything has an energetic signature behind it um if we're talking about for example your macular degeneration uh that's when the middle of the eye and the light receptors are um well they give up function before they die it's possible to renew those light receptors in different ways um but those types of diseases are known as diseases of poor digestion more than anything else. We eat a lot of toxic food, um, and, and we aren't also able to digest emotion often and how we see it. So, uh, yeah, it does. Uh, I've had people with glaucoma, uh, cataracts. Um, what else? I don't know what he might be experiencing, so. Yeah, it's all related. <laughs> mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, wow. 
So I feel very validated this hour. It's just something I've never really talked no, much about because, <laughs> you know, because people don't really, um, I think we just, just accept what we're told when we're young and that goes in our programming and away we go. And something in me just rejected the whole concept. I, I think, honestly, I think my motivation was I had ugly glasses and I was not having it. So <laughs> I just fixed them yeah, myself. Yeah, <laughs> and too bad for all the people that were like, oh, I want glasses. There are lots of right? people that tell me, oh, I wanted glasses because they were cool. And that's part of marketing, right? Like, we think we need them. Ugh. And eventually we do, especially if we've been wearing them for years, but finding a way to back out of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. the thing. If it's just a, a known or grown dependency and, and muscle laziness, that's got to be reversible in itself. It's got to yeah, be well, easily reversible. There's a level. Yeah, it is reversible. There's a level of it, too, uh, Nicole, I believe, that is, is human consciousness related. It's about the pineal gland and our connection to source. And so there's a level of human consciousness on the planet that's very disconnected. Um, And I believe in a few hundred years we'll be like, we actually put glasses on people. Could you believe they did that, that crazy bombaric thing? Like that was so outdated. Um, Because as new people, you know, as, as they realize their children need relaxation and not be forced to read and sit in desk, because it's not visually um, supportive as well as everything else. Um, hopefully we'll go back to a more natural state of being that's also functional. Actually, that's a perfect segue to the last question. I think we have time for it. Um, this is coming to us from Susan in Ontario, and she's asking her 12-year-old has been uh, received a prescription for glasses. What is your advice on how to approach this? Oh, um, I'm guessing if it's school, she probably can't see the blackboard. Uh, I got my glasses at the age of 12. Really asking and, and being quiet about okay, what, what, what are her stressors right now. At 12, we become aware, um, boys or girls or whoever, there's the sexual stuff. There's all this energy that wasn't there before. Um, there's a lot more stressors on children. What else is going on in your uh, family, is there divorce, death, compa- comparisons, a friend that there's things with, um, a lot of conflict. So really helping children. Um, you know, if you want to reach out to me, we do a class on conscious communication. So giving them a vocabulary for their feelings and their needs and also being the example for them. Uh, children are really spongy energetic, energetic beings. And so, for example, I had a couple of kids who both of them were amblyopic, which means they had a high prescription, but one eye stronger than the other because the one eye was not, it was being suppressed in its expression. Um, the mom realized that, oh, she didn't know how to play. And she was very much, okay, we have to do this right. And I have to get it, you know, done correctly. And I have to correct my kid's eyesight. Um, as soon as the child was able to relax and because the eye, eye exams are, they're stressful, you know, getting a really open-minded, friendly optometrist is, is one thing, depending on this child's prescription, um, you can have them sit closer to the, um, 
Blackboard, you can ask her what she feels in the classroom and get a slightly reduced prescription because they prescribed 2020 based on Dr. Schnellen way back when, and it's really actually an arbitrary number based on Dr. Schnellen's best friend who they thought he had good vision. So then they created the size font that told us how much, how well we saw. So most people don't know this either, and that is that we are legal to drive in Canada in, with anything from 2040 to 2050, and in the United States, I think it's Wyoming, there's a few that you can legally drive at 2060, which is less sharpness in visual acuity than 2020. Some people also naturally see better. They see 2015 or 2010. Um, so, you know, challenging the standards. Like, okay, why do we give 2020? And why is that truly necessary? Um, because Roberto Kaplan says, full strength prescription glasses interrupt eye teaming, which is the ability of a child to know their own limits, their own boundaries. Um, and, and the focus then becomes what they're learning from the outside. So I don't know if that was helpful, but <laughs> learning yes, eye indeed. Um, how to read. I was just going to say we're, we've got about four minutes to the top, so uh, if you want to kind of tie it all up into a neat little summarized package, and then uh, and don't forget okay. about your shameless self-promotion after that. <laughs> right. Summer, summarized, yes. Um, the eyes and eyeglasses aren't just about the physical eyeballs. It is about the emotional, the spiritual, the soul-level truth of living an authentic life and being able to see things for what they are. If you uh, want to have a little more information, you want me to teach you how to read your own prescriptions or have a look at them uh, and give you a bit of an intuitive call, you can book a Soul Truth Discovery Academy uh, and prescription review session with me. It's a gift today. I wasn't going to do that. Um, summer at summerbozahora.com is my email, or you can find me on Facebook, Summer Bozahora. That would be about my... And if you want to know how to spell my last name, it's B O Z O. H-O-R-A, and summer is like spring, winter, and fall, S-U-M-M-E-R. Thank you, Nicole. Thanks, Summer. Thanks for the great topic and uh, food for thought. and appreciate it very much. We'll uh, talk next time. Summer is all linked up at newsforthesoul.com. And Laura's next open lines channeled messages from various sources after this. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. You're listening to News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained since January 1997. We began our 25th year in broadcasting in January 2022, and we're just getting started, exploring the edge of human consciousness and possibility on planet Earth with founder and journalist Nicole Marie Whitney at the helm. What's really real and what's really possible? That is what we want to know. Join us at newsforthesoul.com. Newsforthesoul.com.